Now, I just want to take an uh, unscientific uh, poll here. How many people have uh, stated resolutions for this new year? Just raise your hand. Okay. And so the rest of you didn't do that, so I'm saying you are my people. <laughs> the Lord has led me to the correct church. Because as you can see, my wife raised her hand. Sort of, yes. She didn't want to fully commit, I guess. And of course, my hand was not raised because I just, I'm like the kids, I forget, right? But since this is the beginning of a new year, I wanted our first series to remind us of what we're trying to do here at Six Line Church. Now, don't get me wrong here. I believe that uh, this is Jesus' church, and Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is the one that does all the heavy lifting. But we do have a small part to play. And so we have been invited into a ministry that Jesus is doing within our church and in our community. And so this is what we're going to explore over the next few weeks is what is our small part to play? And our series is called Dirt Matters, uh, focusing on our faith. And what sparked this conversation for me was actually going back to the Old Testament. I know you guys are used to me always bringing up the Old Testament, but there's this scene in the Old Testament in, during the uh, Israel exodus, and it's found in Numbers. And what's happening in this scene is that the Israelites have just finished traveling through the desert and now stationed at the edge of the promised land. And so Moses calls all the tribes together, and, and the goal is for each tribe to, uh, to pick a person in order to investigate what this promised land looks like. And so as the conversation is going on with Moses and these 12 people, he comes to the end and he starts talking about the soil of this promised land. He wants to know if it's, if it's fertile. He wants to know, are there trees growing in this land? He wants them to bring back some fruit, some produce from the land so that everybody can see what it's, what, what's happening there. And as I was reading that, you can actually feel the anxiety surrounded by the questions that Moses is, is asking here because the one thing that Moses understand is that the quality of soil is important. Dirt matters. Moses knows that if we can't grow anything, nothing's going to flourish. People are not going to flourish. And so this is why it's so important for Moses to have this understanding of how fertile the soil is. And Jesus understood the importance of good soil. And he uses it in one of his most famous parables, a parable confirming that not all soil is the same, and the same seed can produce different results if planted in different soils. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. This is just an introductory uh, sermon into the series to give us the groundwork of why are we studying uh, what we're going to be studying in the next couple weeks. And so if you have your script, uh, Bibles with you or your phones or whatever you want to open up the text to, you can turn to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to look at the first 20 verses from 1 to 20. And I'm going to pray while you do that. Father, I just thank you for your written word because it leads us to your living word, Jesus. The Holy Spirit, as we explore the written word, we, we pray and ask that you inspire us as you inspired Mike, Mark to write this, to document 
uh, what Jesus is saying here, that this truth would take hold of our hearts and live out our, in our lives as we continue to journey with you. And so, Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what Mark writes, chapter, uh, chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. He says, Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root, other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other fell, still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. And then Jesus says, whoever, he, uh, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parable. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away, takes away the word and has sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and desires for others, for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. And so three of the four gospel writers actually tell this, this parable, Mark, Luke, uh, and Matthew. And the reason why I chose Luke is because uh, Jesus is speaking more to a group of people and not specifically to an individual. Because there's something I think that we can all agree on is that What's true for an individual can also be true for a group of people. And a parable is just a simple story to explain a greater truth or principle. The story itself doesn't actually have to have happened in order for the principle to be true. And so we need to understand that about parables and as we analyze this parable. Because the first thing I want us to pay attention to is I want us to notice the manner in which the seed is sown. The text tells us that it's scattered all over the place. So Jesus is saying, and I just visualize this, that this person's walking around this farm, and he's throwing seed over there, and he's throwing seed over there, and he's throwing seed over there. And I'm reading this, and I don't know a lot about farming, which means I don't know anything about farming. Okay? But this doesn't seem right. 
this doesn't seem the way that you would plant seed. Like, I always assume that you take the seed, you put it in the soil, and you cover up the seed with the soil. This kind of seems like someone's feeding chickens. Have you ever seen anybody feed chickens before? This is what this, uh, this, this, this method that Jesus is talking about seems like. So we can actually determine that this parable is not a guide to better farming practices, right? We can determine that by what the way that the method that the seed is being sown. We could also determine by this parable that the sower, the seed, and the method in which the seed is sown is irrelevant. Because in each case, in each scenario, the seed's the same, the sower's the same, and the method is the same. So according to Jesus, these three parts of the parable or the actions that's happening is irrelevant to what Jesus wants us to pay attention to. What Jesus wants us to pay attention to are the soil or the types of soil the seeds lands in. Because Jesus knows dirt matters. Jesus knows that you need good soil in order to flourish. And so Jesus identifies four different types of dirt. And each piece of dirt, as Jesus explained in the latter part of the parable, are the four different kinds of hearts in response to Jesus. And so let's look at the first three. The first heart is a hard heart that is that's represented by a dirt pathway. Now, how many people go hiking? Okay, see? My kind of people. Um, <laughs> When you're on a hike, you usually follow a pathway, a dirt pathway, right? And as you're walking along, it's just, it's hard, it's sandy, and all around it is vegetation, but there's no grass or anything growing on the pathway. This is what Jesus is explaining that some, some, some of our hearts are like that, that it's so hard that the gospel will not penetrate it because of many different reasons. And so this is what Jesus means by the first heart. The second heart is the shallow heart. And it's represented by the rocky places where there isn't enough soil for the roots, the seed to, the seed sprouts, but there's, there's nowhere for the roots to go. And so what happens is that the things of life, you know, the troubles and the pressures of life has no way of holding on. And so what it does is it wither and dies and just gets washed away by all things that's happening in life. And the third heart is known as the crowded heart that is represented by the thorns. And so this is a heart that is filled with everything. Jesus is in there, but so is the world, so is other desires. And so what's happening here is, is that it, Jesus is actually getting crowded out because he's not the center, he's not the focus. Everything else is the center and focus. And so it, again, it doesn't produce fruit. And all three, sorry, all three of these conditions do not produce, produce lasting fruit in a person's life. And all three of these conditions do not produce, produce lasting fruit in the life of the church. Because the church is just a group of people gathering together and the hearts of those who make up the church determine the type of soil in the church. And what I mean by soil of the church is I'm actually speaking of the culture of the church. The culture is the unwritten rule. Next slide, please. 
Culture is the unwritten set of rules that governs everything a church does. And it is the culture of the church that determines the effectiveness or its ineffectiveness in doing ministry. See, so often we believe that we've just changed the methods that we're doing, that somehow that's going to produce long-lasting fruit. And that's not just the case. You know, a couple of years ago, Chris and I had the privilege of going to Australia. Uh, my younger brother was getting married, and he asked me to officiate. And I said, well, pastor has to make sacrifices, right? And so I had to go to Australia and officiate the wedding. And uh, while we were there, we actually got a chance to go to the Great Barrier Reef, where we found all Nemo's friends, which was pretty cool. But I also learned that while we were there is that about 10 years, maybe 20 years ago, the Barrier Reef was dying. And what was happening is that these starfish were invading the reef and eating all the reef apart and destroying it. And so no one knew why this was happening. And so some divers who meant well said, hey, let's just go down and just kill all the starfish, right? Let's just cut them in half. And that's what they do. Or that's what they did. And I'm not sure if you understand how starfish work. Once you cut them in half, you now just produce two starfish because they grow their limbs from the damaged parts. And so they didn't actually help the situation. They just doubled the problem of the situation. And so sometimes what happens with methods is that's what, what we do in ministry. See, the issue with the reef was more complex than just trying to get rid of the starfish. It was the environment surrounding the reef that was causing the issue. We had, there was a temperature of the water rose, which deflected all the natural predators of the starfish. And so when you have, then when that happened, the starfish just said, hey, we're moving in because there's no one here to stop us. That's how important church culture is. Because it's a church culture that affects the flourishing, not the method that is used for ministry. So reflecting on Jesus' parable, here are three different cultures that make the church ineffective when it comes to ministry. The first one is what we consider, again, the hard soil, the pathway. This is the stubborn culture. Imagine attending a church and that everything you brought to the people they just said, you know what, this is not how we do things here. See, the stubborn culture is made up of people who believe they know best and are unwilling to discuss any changes whatsoever that needs to happen in order for the church to be effective. And so that, that's the stubborn culture, that's the pathway. The other culture that makes the church ineffective is the rocky place, which rep represents the shallow culture. The shallow culture is made up of immature believers whose relationship with Jesus has, hasn't, hasn't grown deep roots in the relationship with Jesus. And they're not feeding daily on the nutrients of the scripture as a source of life. See, Jesus invites us into this mission uh, that he calls us into to, to further our faith. And in the shallow church, this is just an option. This is not the rule. And one way you can determine if a church culture is shallow is that, you know, when everybody comes together and, and someone puts an ideal out and everybody says, oh, that's so awesome, that's amazing, let's do it. And then, and then you plan, you get people say, hey, let's get together and plan it and execute it, and no one shows up. 
Because the mission of the church is an option. And the seed that lands in the soil choked up by thorns, well, that's the busy culture. This is the culture of a church where the church has its fingers in every single pie known possibly. Where the people are over-programmed inside and outside the church. Whether it's with church activities or non-church activities. And what this does is it saps the energy of the people. And what ends up happening is that we're doing a lot of stuff. And I'm not saying it's not good stuff. But we're doing all this stuff and we just don't do it well. So that can cause burnout and bitterness because the results that we were expecting weren't realized and you become disappointed. And for me as a pastor, the culture of the church is one of my highest priorities because here's what I believe. Next slide. The church is not tasked with changing the world but being the world already changed by Jesus. That's culture. Jesus wants us to have a culture where there's a space for people to grow and flourish in relationship with him and with one another. And see, this is where Jesus wants to take us in this parable with the fourth type of dirt. And Jesus explains the fourth type of dirt. See, when the seed fell in the other three different ways in the bad soil, it didn't work. But when the seed falls into the good soil, it succeeds three different ways in the good soil. See, the good soil is soft and deep and welcomes Jesus immediately so that it can't be snatched away by anything else. It takes the seed and it covers it with dirt so nobody can grab a hold of it. See, the good soil welcomes Jesus deeply and allows the roots of the relationship with Jesus to grow deep so, the, so they can weather the storms of life. And the good soil welcomes Jesus exclusively so they're not distracted by all the other things in the world, that Jesus is the main focus. See, it's this type of fruit or this type of soil which is known as the fruitful heart that will bear fruit in the kingdom. And I don't know if you noticed how the way Jesus uses math, right? He doesn't use addition, he uses multiplication. Because he says it adds 30, 60, and 100 fold. And this growth, this flourishing of fruit is not a one-time event, but it becomes a perpetual cycle of fruit bearing because the soil is good. See, not only is the church going to flourish because the culture and the soil is good, but we actually get to invite other people into it so they can flourish as well. Remember, the method does not determine long-term growth in a church, but the culture that it happens in does. This is the soil that we are tilling here at Six Lines a fruitful culture that helps in a small way for all of us to flourish in the life God has planned for us through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And as we flourish in life, we can actually help others around us flourish as well. And so on, and so on. Where we actually become a place where this perpetual cycle of bearing fruit happens automatically. What does this fruitful culture look like? A good and healthy culture provides a safe and encouraging space to help shape people's identity in Christ and to help them grow in Christ individually and corporately. It allows a, a people a place to investigate the Christian faith with all their questions and doubts. It thinks the best of people's intentions. It doesn't fear healthy discussions about the issues we're facing. It holds one another, one of us, uh, another, uh, it holds us accountable to one another in healthy ways. And it allows people to grow at their own pace without judgment. So how do we cultivate this culture? How do we cultivate this healthy fruit bearing culture so we can grow deeper in our faith and have a wider impact in our sphere of influence and it's through our values. We all have values, even though they might be written down anywhere, but values actually determines our behavior. Like in our house, we have an unwritten value of respect. We respect one another. So when one of us is not respecting someone, we pull that person to account. And it just, not just defines our family, but extends to people uh, outside of our family. And it works in the same as the church. I know vision and mission are important. But for me, values are the most important because they create the environment for people to flourish. Think about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are all values. Values influence conduct, behavior, activity, and mission. They help determine how things will be done. They provide a foundation for discerning what is most important. See, values are more than just words or statements on our website. Those within the congregation and those outside the congregation who engage with us, that's what they should be seeing in our life. That should be the indication to other people that, yes, this is people who are part of Six Line Church. So like I said, this is just the introductory talk about our sermon series because next week we're going to actually start looking at and exploring the values here at Sixth Line to help us to remember the culture that we are trying to cultivate here at Sixth Line. There's a culture where people can experience God's love and grace through Jesus. It's a culture where people can be discipled to follow Jesus through the presence and the power of Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a culture where people uh, can experience heartfelt worship that is God-honoring, spirit-directed, and life-changing. It's a culture where people can, uh, the Bible can be studied together so people can build their lives on its truth. It's a culture where people can belong to a community of grace, love, and acceptance. It's a culture where we can encourage and teach one another to be active in 
as a loving witness to Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ to all people. It's a culture where forgiveness, understanding, and reconciliation are lived out. It's a culture where we, we encourage one another to live un, a cluttered lives which frees us to live boldly, give generously, and serve joyfully. It's a culture where people live in total dependent on God in every way of their life and seek to deepen their intimacy with Him by living prayerfully. This is the culture that we're trying and we're working at cultivating here at Fixed Line Church because this is what it looks like to be a community growing in Christ together. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to have different people come up and, and just express and talk about the values that we hear and the culture that we're trying to cultivate. And before I close in prayer... I have two questions that I want you to ponder this week. It's about values. The first question is, is what are some of your unwritten values that govern your life? Take some time away and just say, look at the behavior. Because your behavior determines what values you have. And the second question is, what life will your values lead to? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your, your word this morning. We thank you as we begin this new sermon series. As we look at the values that you have given us here to identify a six-line church in this community, in this region. And as we go through each one, Lord, I pray that we begin to live them out passionately that people would know who we are based on our values because it's based, our values contribute to our behavior here at Six Line. Because I know you've called us to this region. I know you have plans for us. You have works for us to do by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I know that we just play a small part in what you're doing in the church and in the region. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we go through these values, as we go through this culture-building um, exercise, that it becomes alive in our life and alive in our church. And so, Lord, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.